Father, we just are so grateful that we belong to you. Our lives are in your hand, and you're always good. And Lord, we pray that you would accomplish your purposes now in us, here in this room, and those that are connected online, Lord, that you accomplish what you want to accomplish this time for your glory and honor. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, there was this guy, and uh, his wife was pregnant, and he also had a six-year-old son. And a six-year-old son had come to him and said, said, Daddy, I want a baby brother, and I'm willing to do whatever I need to do to help this happen. And his father said, I tell you what you can do, Johnny. I want you to start praying every night for a baby brother. And if you do that for the next two months, I guarantee you, you'll have a baby brother. So right away, little Johnny went to his room and started praying with fervency for a little baby brother. He did it for one month. He prayed for a whole month. But he began to talk to other friends in the neighborhood about what he's doing. And he found out that it has never happened in the history of that neighborhood that somebody prayed for a baby brother, and boom, you got a baby brother. So he started to get a little skeptical. So during the next month, he stopped praying. Well, at the end of two months, sure enough, his mother began to go into labor, and his dad took mom to the hospital. He didn't understand what was happening. And then when they got back, he came to the room as mommy was laying in the bed, and he noticed next to her a bundle. And he walked over, kind of quizzical, and his father said, let me show you something, Johnny. And he opened up the bundle, and there was not one baby brother, but two baby brothers. She had had twins. And then he said, Johnny, I just want you to know what happened as a result of your prayers. Aren't you glad you prayed? And Johnny, he looked up at his dad and said, uh, yes, I'm glad, but aren't you glad I stopped when I did? Well, we've been doing this series on prayer, entitled Pray Always. So far, we've talked about the priority of prayer, the purpose of prayer, the perspective we should have in prayer, the pattern that we, the Lord gave us in prayer. And today, we're going to talk about the power of prayer. How do you get God to answer your prayers? How do you get the power? Well, actually, there are five key things that we're told in the scriptures that are key to releasing answers to prayer, to releasing the power of God. So I want to walk through those five things and just make sure those are part of how you pray. You have these five elements if you really want to see the power that is available for every one of us in prayer. All right, number one, the first thing that we must have if we really want to have a powerful prayer life is number one is we need to pray according to the word of God. Pray according to the word of God. John 15, verse 7, Jesus says this, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Also, 1 John chapter 5, verse 14 and 15, This is the confidence which we have before him, that if we ask anything according to his will, 
He hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests which we have asked from him. So praying according to the will of God and according to the word of God is key to getting answers in prayer from God. So let me encourage you to get in the habit of having a verse that you are standing on when you're praying. What revealed truth? What revealed truth is it that you are standing on in that prayer that you're praying? What promise is it that God made that you're standing on? What is the truth about God that you are standing on from his word that you can really stand on knowing that and you can have the confidence that he will answer according to his word? This is key to praying with power, is really praying according to the word of God, which tells us what his will is. There's an interesting passage in Isaiah chapter 62, verse 6 and 7 says this, On your walls, O Jerusalem, I have appointed watchmen. All day and night they will never keep silent. These are intercessors. These are prayer warriors on the walls. All day and night they never keep silent. Listen to this. You who remind the Lord, take no rest for yourselves. And give him no rest until he establishes and makes Jerusalem a praise in the earth. Now, what are these intercessors doing in this passage? What they're doing is reminding the Lord what he said. Reminding the Lord what he promised. They are standing on the promises of God. They are standing on the word of God when they pray. This really is key to all of us praying with power is standing on the word of God. That's how you know you're praying according to the will of God, which gives us confidence he's going to answer that prayer. I want to give you a couple examples of this. Many of us have, have prayed for people that we love uh, and, and, they're, and they're sick and we want God to heal them. Well, of course, we, there's a number of verses you can stand on, but I think there's even more verses than we think that we can stand on, and, and specifically for that particular person. I can think of one friend of mine who was sick. He was dying. He had a 1% chance of, according to the doctors, of making it. And I stood over his bed and prayed for him for a couple hours. And I was going, and I was going after verse after verse after verse. And one of the things that came to my mind was all the things he had done for the poor. And Proverbs 21.13 says this, He who shuts his ear to the cry of the poor will also cry in himself and not be answered. And I'm saying, Lord, so, so this, he did not shut his ears to the cries of the poor, Lord. So you can't shut your ears to his cries. And so you're saying, Lord, you said, Lord, you said, this is how the Lord wants us to pray. He loves it when we pray this way. He loves it when we hold on to his word and stand on his word. Let me give you an example. Those of you that are praying for lost loved ones, and I, I suspect that most of us in this room and online are praying for lost loved ones. Here's, here's some of the verses that come to my mind. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9 says this, The Lord is not slow about his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you. Now listen to this. Not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. Lord, you don't want any to perish. That's not what you're like. That's not what you want. 
Then I go to the next verse, John 6, 44. Jesus says, no one can come to me. This is Jesus talking. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. And I'll raise him up on the last day. Father, unless you draw them, they can't come to Jesus. So you don't want them to perish, and only, and only you can draw them. So, Lord, we're asking you to draw them. And then I'll pray another verse. Acts 16, 14. And a certain woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple fabrics, a worshiper of God, was listening. She's listening to the Apostle Paul preach the gospel. She was listening. And the Lord opened her heart to respond to the things spoken by Paul. Lord, I'm asking you to open their heart. So, Lord, you don't want them to perish. Lord, only you can draw them, so I'm asking you to draw them. And, Lord, would you open their heart now to receive the truth? See, what are you doing? You're not just saying, Lord, save my friend, which is a great prayer, or save my family member, but you're saying, okay, Lord, you said, Lord, and you said, and, Lord, this is how you are. That is how you pray with power. You stand on the scriptures. And you might be thinking, well, I don't know if I have enough verses. That's why you need to learn the word. So you can pray with power. There's a connection there. Have a verse to stand on when you intercede. That's the way you can pray with confidence and faith. And that leads us to the second thing we must do if we're going to pray with power. Number two is to pray with faith. Pray with faith. Faith in what? Of course, faith in God. But I'd go even beyond and say faith in his word. What we know about God has been revealed to us through his word. What we know about his character. What we know about what he's inclined to do. What, what he promises to do. And so I'm going to have faith in the revealed word of God. I'm going to have faith in his word. All right, look at Mark chapter 11, verse 22 through 24. Jesus says this to his disciples. He says, have faith in God. Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says is going to happen. And by the way, let me stop there. The way you believe it's going to happen is because God promised something. And there's a word of God you're standing on. That is why you can have that confidence, okay? Does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says is going to happen. It will be granted to him. Therefore, I say to you, all things for which you pray and ask, believe that you've received them, and they'll be granted to you. So what are you believing in when you pray the word of God? You're standing on a promise of God. Now, during our worship time, let me give you an example. Larry opened, you know, brought us into a different couple areas of prayer. One of the things he, we talked about is praying for certain countries that are closed right now because of the pandemic. Some are closed for political reasons as well. From the gospel being able to go into these countries, and they are full of unreached people groups. So how do we pray for God to open up those countries? How can we know we're praying according to his will, and therefore have confidence and faith that he will do it. Well, let me give you a few verses that come to mind as I'm praying for this. Romans chapter 10, verse 13 through 15, says, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Verse 14, how then shall they call upon him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him whom they have not heard? 
And how shall they hear without a preacher? How shall they preach unless they're sent? Just as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring glad tidings of good things. So, Lord, you desire them to be saved, Lord, and, and they can't be saved unless someone comes and tells them. But right now the country's closed, Lord. So how are they going to get in? Then I go to another verse, <clears throat> Revelation 3, 7. It says, he who is holy, who is true, who has the key of David, listen to this, who opens and no one will shut. And who shuts and no one opens. Lord, when you open doors, no one can shut them. So, Lord, we're asking you to open these doors where there's unreached people groups. And right now we can't get people in and we got people waiting to go. We got people waiting to go. Not just us. Church around the world has got people waiting to get into these countries, Lord. And they can't know unless someone tells them. So, Lord, only you can open a door in which way no one can shut. So we're asking you to open these doors. And I can pray that with faith and confidence and believe it's going to happen. A good prayer life really has, is a, is confident, has confident expectations in getting answers because they're standing on promises. They're standing on the truth of his word. Get in the habit of praying this way. Get in the habit of praying, praying Lord, and you said this, and Lord, and you said this, and Lord, you said this. That's why I'm sure you're going to do it. And pray with faith. So you stand on the word of God. You're standing on the word of God. So you know you're praying the will of God. There's a verse you're standing on. And you're praying it in faith because you know God. You know he'll keep his word. You're certain he'll keep his word. All right, number three. Third thing to have a powerful prayer life is to pray fervently. By fervently, I mean pray hard. Pray passionately. James chapter 5, verse 17 and 18 says this. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. In other words, he's just like us. He was just like us. And he prayed earnestly that it might not rain. It did not rain on the earth for three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the sky poured forth rain, and the earth produced his fruit. So I, Elijah was just like us except when he prayed. When he prayed, he prayed earnestly. And many of you do. But all of us who want to have a powerful prayer life need to learn to pray earnestly. Pray fervently. Pray hard. Pray hard. I mean, involve your, your whole being into your prayer. Involve your emotions into your prayer. Colossians chapter 4, verse 12. Paul talks about Epaphras. He says this, he always labors earnestly for them in his prayers. So, so he talks about Paphras. When he prays, he is laboring earnestly for you. That's how he's praying. It involves his whole being, including his emotion. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 7. Here's what we're told about the prayer life of Jesus. Hebrews 5, 7, in the days of his flesh... He offered up both prayers and supplications with loud crying and tears to the one able to save him from death, and he was heard because of his piety. Here you see him praying. Do you see him praying this way? The days of his flesh. 
offered up both prayers and supplications with loud crying and tears. How about the Apostle Paul? How do you picture him praying? Galatians 4.19, the Apostle Paul said this. He said that he was in labor for the Galatians until Christ was formed in them. He described that the way he prayed for these Galatian believers was like a woman in labor, in labor pains, going through the agony of childbirth in order that a child would be birthed. And I'm, every mother in here understands why they call it labor. I mean, it's hard work. I've never seen anyone work harder at anything than when a woman is giving birth to a child. And Paul describes that as how he prayed for the Galatians. That's how he prayed for them. By the way, if you want to see something birthed in the spiritual realm, then you need to be willing to go into labor in prayer for it. There's no bypassing the labor of prayer if we want to see the power of God. See, the problem has been that it's looked like it was working in America without praying hard. It looked like we could just do things a certain way with certain techniques, certain programs, certain buildings, all the trimmings, and church would just go fine. No pain, no work in prayer, no agonizing in intercession, and the work of God just gets done. But it doesn't work that way. In fact, if you saw a woman walking around with a bundle, and it, wrapped, it appeared to be a baby in that bundle, but you found out that she never went into labor. You found out that she never experienced pain, that she was never inconvenienced, that she was never stretched, that she never experienced any of the discomfort of childbirth. If you found all that out, then you conclude whatever is in that blanket isn't a real baby. It's a phony. It's a fake. It can't be real. See, the same thing is true in the church. If it looks like things are going great on the outside, if everything seems to be flowing great, if it looks like God is blessing, but there's been no real prayer, no real intercession, no agony of intercession, no work in prayer, then I guarantee you it's all facade and it's all phony. See, the opposite is also true. If you see the hand of God moving, you see God moving powerfully, you see elements of revival of people really repenting and running after Jesus and passion for Jesus and his kingdom and worship, then I guarantee you somebody labored in prayer to release that. That's how the spiritual realm works. There's no way around it. That leads us to the fourth the fourth key thing we must have in our prayer life if we want to pray with power, and that is pray in agreement with other believers. Pray in agreement with other believers. Matthew 18, verse 19 and 20, Jesus says this, Again, I say to you that if two of you agree on earth about anything that they may ask, it shall be done for them by my Father who is in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in their midst. And we have so many great opportunities to pray in agreement with other believers. All of our pray always small groups right now 
You can come to, you know, find out how to pray in agreement with each other about some things that are on the hearts of your, of your you know, group members. Also, all of our GHOP groups, when we have GHOP groups, you can come and begin to join in agreement about praying for what's on your heart. Have some people join you and agree with you before God about an answer to prayer. That is key to getting answers. I've given you four ingredients. Let me go over them again. Number one, pray the word of God. Have a scripture to stand on. Number two, pray with faith. Believe God will keep his word. Be confident about it. Number three, pray fervently. Pray hard. Really pray. Be involved in your prayer life. Enter into that throne room scene scene and talk to God. And mean it when you say something to him. Number four, pray in agreement with other believers. Get some people to amen with you, to go along with you in this prayer and agreement. Those are four key things. Pray the word, pray with faith, pray fervently, and pray in agreement with other believers. But there's one more. There's one more that's really important. Number five, pray with persistence. Pray with persistence. This is so important. I want to spend next week talking just about this one. But I want to talk some about it as part of these five keys to having a powerful prayer life. There's a story in Exodus 17 I want you to take a look at with me. Exodus 17, Moses has just led Israel out of Egypt, out of bondage, and they're on their journey to the promised land. And the first enemy they encounter are the Amalekites. By the way, I want you to mark it well. The people of God are just doing what God told them to do, and they encounter an enemy who wants to stop them from doing that. That, That's true for us today. If all you're doing is what God has called you to do, you will encounter an enemy who will want to stop you from doing it. Exodus 17, verse 8, Then Amalek talking about the whole Amalekites, came and fought against Israel at Rephidim. Rephidim. So they attacked them as they moved ahead in obedience to God. All Israel was doing was doing what God said for them to do. But doing what God tells you to do will put you on a collision course with the enemy. By the way, this is true. As we move forward as a church doing what God has told us to do from the Scriptures, we are on a collision course with the enemy. Because why? Because if we do what God tells us to do, we're going to take his ground. As we take more ground, he's going to retaliate. In other words, spiritual warfare is unavoidable. Whether you move ahead in obedience to God, you're going to encounter the enemy, or if you lag behind, you're going to encounter the enemy. Either way, spiritual warfare is unavoidable. So how do you fight it? Well, first thing we got to notice is that you don't fight it alone. Look at Exodus 17, verse 9. So Moses said to Joshua, Choose men for us and go out. Fight against Amalek. Tomorrow I will station myself on the top of the hill with the staff of God in my hand. So Joshua is told to mobilize an army now to fight the enemy. It's going to take an army. An army with everyone at their post. Everyone in position, by the way, see the church that way. We're an army, and everyone needs to be at their post. Everyone in their position if we're going to win this fight. Everyone doing their part. Being part of an army is so crucial, but it's not enough to win the battle. Even if everybody's at their post, 
Even if everyone's doing their job in the army, that's not enough to win the battle. There's one more ingredient that's crucial. Exodus 17, verse 10 and 11, And Joshua did as Moses told him and fought against Amalek. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. So it came about when Moses held his hand up that Israel prevailed. And when he let his hand down, Amalek prevailed. So here Moses' outstretched arms with the staff of God is a picture of intercession. That's a picture of intercessory prayer. And when he held it up, Israel prevailed. Israel was winning. When he dropped it down, the picture of the prayer has stopped. The enemy, Amalek, prevailed. As long as Moses was in that position of intercessory prayer, Israel would prevail. Now, again, the army has to fight the battle to win. This is true. We all have to do our part. But in this passage, we also see that if we're going to prevail, it is crucial that we have prevailing prayer going on, intercession going on, in order to win the battle of spiritual warfare. I want you to notice that Moses even needed some help to continue to hold his arms up. Look at this, Exodus 17, verse 12 and 13. But Moses' hands were heavy. Then they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it, and Aaron and Hur supported his hands, one on one side and one on the other. Thus his hands were steady until the sun set. So Joshua overwhelmed Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. So they won the battle because they kept praying. They kept praying. They did not stop praying. They kept praying by having, they even had supportive prayer partners, right? Aaron and her, to stay the course, stay the course in prayer to get the victory. So let me just ask you this. Are you persistent in your prayer life? Or have you dropped your arms? See, it matters more than any of us know. Battles right now are being lost because of a lack of persistence in prayer because we just quit. We just stopped. If you want a powerful prayer life, you must have a persistent prayer life. So those five ingredients are key. Now, I want to show you one more thing before we wrap it up this morning. The church in the book of Acts was a powerful church because it prayed with these five things we just went over. These five ingredients made them a powerfully praying church. Let's look at that real, real briefly. Acts, Acts 4, I'm sorry, Acts chapter 1, verse 14 says, These all with one mind were continually devoting themselves to prayer. They prayed with one mind. And one purpose. Now, they're in the upper room. What is the thing they're praying for? What was, that, what was their request? Jesus told them to wait until the Holy Spirit had come upon them in power. So they're in a prayer meeting waiting for Holy Spirit power. So what do you think they're asking for? What do you think they're praying for? Can you, can you bet, make a bet on that? Take a guess on that. Of course they're praying. They're asking for Holy Spirit power. And so they're in this 10-day prayer meeting waiting on the Holy Spirit to come and fill them with power. Remember, here's what Jesus told them. Luke 11, verse 11 through 13. He says, now suppose one of you fathers is asked by his son for a fish. He will not give him a snake instead of a fish, will he? 
Or if he asks for an egg, he'll not give him a scorpion, will he? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? And now they're asking. But I want you to notice something. I want you to notice that in this prayer meeting, they are praying the word of God. They are praying with faith and expectation. They are praying in agreement. They are praying fervently with devotion. And they are persistent. The prayer meeting lasted 10 days. It only lasted and stopped at 10 days because the Holy Spirit came in power and the prayer meeting was over, at least that particular prayer meeting. But I want you to know what happens because there is a cycle here that those of you that have been in grace for a while have heard me go over. But it's so important that we all know this cycle. So they're in prayer. How are they praying? They're praying on the word of God and they're praying faith and expectation and they're praying with fervency and they're in agreement and they're persistent. And what happens? Acts chapter 2, Holy Spirit comes in power. Now they have Holy Spirit power. What happens next? Ministry, 3,000 people get saved. A lame man gets healed. 2,000 more are going to get saved. And more preaching. But so you have prayer, power, ministry. What happens next? Acts chapter 4, we have persecution, opposition, trying to stop the church. What do they do? Do they quit? Do they whine? Do they cry? Oh, gosh, no. No, what do they do? They go back to the prayer meeting. End of Acts chapter 4, they're back in a prayer meeting. What are they doing? They're praying the word. Just read what they pray. They're praying the word. They're praying in faith. They expect God to answer. They're praying fervently. They're praying in agreement. And they're persistent. What happens after that prayer? Power. The building shakes. What happens with, after the power? More ministry. What should they expect to happen next? Say it. Opposition. Opposition. Do they quit? What do they do? Go back to the prayer meeting. How do you pray? You pray the word. You pray with faith. You pray fervently. You pray in agreement, and you pray persistently. What happens? More power. What happens then? More ministry. What's going to happen next? Opposition. Do you stop? Do you cry? Do you want it? No, you go back to the prayer meeting. That's how you have a powerful prayer life. That's how you have a powerful ministry, and it's available to all of us. If we just pray the way that Jesus teaches us how to pray. Now, I'd like to close by us praying. So let's stand together. And let's pray. I want to ask you a question. I want you to think about that. If you could ask, ask Jesus for just one thing today, what would it be? If you could just be face to face with Jesus and he says, ask me for something. You could ask him for one thing. What would it be? Stop and think about that. One thing you'd ask him. Now I want to ask you this question. What is the verse you're standing on? Do you have one? If you don't, get one. Make sure you're standing on the word. Are you expecting him to answer? Are you praying it fervently? Do you, have you involved other people in agreement with you? And are you persistent or have you quit? Did you used to pray about, about it, but, you don't, but your arms have been dropped. You don't pray anymore about it. I'm going to tell you, if you pray those, if, you, if those five things are part of your prayer life, the only way God won't answer that prayer is if he has a better answer than the one you're expecting. That's the only way. He has bound himself to his word. He will do it, or he will do better. That is what our God is like. Aren't you glad?
Let's bow our heads in prayer. Father, according to your word, we are to pray for those in authority over us. And today, we pray for the President of the United States. Lord, you told us to pray for, the, for kings and people in authority over us. And so according to your word, we are praying and we're asking for you to heal his body, heal his wife, heal all these other leaders, Lord. We're asking you to heal them and they can lead in a way that really brings about peace in our country and also brings about the progress of the gospel. And now before we close, just remind the Lord of that one thing that's on your heart. Ask him again. Just under your breath, ask him one more time what it is. Father, we pray that we find ourselves really praying powerfully this week. Praying, Jesus, the way you've taught us to pray and to have all these ingredients in our prayer life. And we pray, Lord, that you would release greater power as a result of that and greater ministry. And Lord, when opposition comes, that we'll continue the cycle and continue to pray. We thank you for this great, great honor and privilege it is that you've given us to access the throne of grace. Mm -hmm. Lord, we pray now as we're dismissed, would you just bless everyone here, everyone online, and bless everything that matters to them. For your name's sake, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Amen.